Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Across the UK, online, on DAB, and on your smart speaker, the independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. Welcome to the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland, ladies and gentlemen. I'd like you to join me in congratulating the new Prime Minister of this country, someone who has worked tirelessly for the cause, someone who has achieved great things over the past two years, and someone who has a firm grip on the reality of doing a job at the very peak of her powers. I'm referring, of course, to Ms Carrie Simmons, not just the fiancé of the Prime Minister, but the very heart and soul of the nation. I can't remember which representation uh, she recognises, though, as far as constituencies go, because I don't remember if anybody actually voted for her. Now, it's all very well having advisers in Downing Street. It's all very well having the Dominic Cummings of this world. It's all very well having, you know, chief spads that recognise that they work for different ministers. But to have a woman who happens to be um, the paramour of the Prime Minister, who moved into Downing Street uh, rather unwisely, as I said, before they had even announced their engagement, and certainly before they had ever considered the idea that uh, it might well be that she was going to be having a child with him, and indeed getting married to him, she now appears to be running the country as well. It's great, isn't it? Boris Johnson is now so weak that he can't just not run the country, he can't even run his own family. If he was in The Sopranos, he'd probably be sent off in exile to run a casino in some deep and dark and distant part of Nevada. This morning, we'll have far more important things to talk about, however, after yesterday's show. I was very humbled by a series of calls about some of the most vulnerable people in our community and what lockdown is doing to them. We heard from one woman whose father took his own life after weeks of isolation in sheltered accommodation, and we also heard from Dave in Aberdeen, who confessed he couldn't take any more after being locked up in his room since March. We'll be talking to Age UK, because surely it's now time to do something about these families who are suffering, their elderly relatives who are suffering, and the absolute and utter horror of not being able to not only not be in touch with each other, but to not even see each other for months and months and months on end. 0344-499-1000. Coming up later on, Helen Dale joins us with her take on the week and an explanation of how the pandemic has separated out those who can and cannot govern. We're also joined by LaDonna Harvey, live in America, with the absolute latest news on the election debacle and why it will be at least four weeks before we have a clue what is going on. Baroness Kate Hurry also joins us to talk Brexit, the Good Friday Agreement and a future outside the European Union. 0344 499 1000. Most of all, of course, we want to hear from all of you. You are the eyes and ears of the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. We want to know what it is that you are seeing, what it is that you are hearing, what it is that you are doing and what it is that you are being told. 
You're listening to me, Mike Graham, right here on the fastest growing radio station on the planet. It is, of course, Talk Radio. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. Now, we had a remarkable uh, show yesterday. We have lots of remarkable shows uh, on this radio station, uh, and not only just on the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. We've got uh, all sorts of uh, fantastic things coming up later on. Dan Wharton at 4, Ian Collins. We've got uh, Kevin O'Sullivan coming up tonight at 7 o'clock as well. Christo Fufas at 10. But just have a listen to David Aberdeen, who called into the show yesterday and who confessed to us that he had been in sheltered accommodation, locked up more or less in his room, alone, since March. The whole world just messed up. It just, it's just turned over. I, just, I can't cope anymore. I promise you. No wonder people come out in school side. I'll tell you, it's just, it's nuts. It is nuts. David, listen. I feel for you. I feel for you. Is there anything we can do? <laughs> I don't know. I just, I just feel that I, I, I'm the end of my tether. I, I, just, I can't take this anymore. I've just, I've had enough. I've really, I've had enough. I mean, the whole world has gone upside down. Just leave me alone. I, I, I mean it. I just, I'm just sick of it. David in Aberdeen calling us yesterday. We're hoping to be able to help David uh, through the course of the rest of uh, this week. We're certainly going to forward that audio interview that we did with him to the government so that they can hear precisely what it is uh, that is going on outside of the Westminster bubble. This morning, the Daily Mail has got a picture and they've started a campaign calling it the Mail Christmas Campaign. For pity's sake, just let them hold hands. And it shows a picture of a man in a wheelchair with a nurse standing over him. And on the other side of a fence is a woman kneeling. That woman is his wife. They say a loving wife is forced to kneel in the street to see her husband's face. A heartbreaking picture of Britain's chaotic care home visiting rules. It really is quite extraordinary. Let's talk now to Ruth uh, Isden from the uh, Age UK organisation. She's head of health influencing. Ruth, um, very good morning to you. Good morning. This is absolutely awful. I mean, uh, I suppose we all kind of knew that there were things like this going on around the country. But when we had a series of calls yesterday, that one particularly from Dave in Aberdeen, another one uh, from a woman who said that her father had taken his own life uh, while he was in a care home because he just couldn't face uh, being alone anymore. It really is uh, uh, crisis time, isn't it? It is. I think we cannot underestimate in any capacity how extraordinarily tough this has been for, for many older people. Not everybody, but an awful lot of people have been have been really struggling in profound ways uh, over the course of this year. Um, and it's not just it's lockdown itself, of course, and, and the social isolation and loneliness that that has brought to so many people. It's the fact that people have seen their health deteriorate. Um, in some cases, people are talking to us about that, leaving them in pain. Um, they can't walk as far as they did. They're less mobile. Um, people are feeling that they're finding struggling to remember things. They're losing their cognition. So there's all of that going on. But at the same time, we hear from people that, you know, they're still incredibly anxious about the virus and they're very worried about what it means. So they're sort of stuck between the devil and the deep blue sea, really. They're anxious about going out. They're, they're afraid of catching the virus and what that might mean for them. But they're also um, really struggling, um, deeply struggling with the loneliness and isolation of being stuck at home. It, it, it's really um, it's, it's hard to overstate how difficult it is. Yeah, be. I mean, it's not very clear precisely what the rules actually are, because to be fair to Janet, who rang us yesterday from Newcastle, she wasn't um, really complaining about 
the, the staff in, in, in the sheltered accommodation where her father was because she said it wasn't really their fault. But it was just that he became more and more depressed as time went on because he couldn't see his family. He couldn't do any of the things that he enjoyed doing. He was very much a, 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 a quite a fit guy. Uh, he, was, he was not terribly old. He was quite mobile. He played the saxophone. He played the piano. He enjoyed being with people. He enjoyed being in a choir. It's the fact that he couldn't do any of those things. And an awful lot of people that I speak to over the course of, of, of weeks and months now are saying to me, you know, many of our elderly relatives would rather be with us. Absolutely, that's true. I mean, as I said, the, the loneliness and isolation has been devastating for, for so many people and that loss of routine, the things that they enjoy. I think the story that you've just uh, set out there is, is the one that we've heard time and time again from up and down the country people who feel like they've lost everything. And in some cases, they are worried that, you know, hopefully by the time, you know, the world turns back to something resembling normal, it will be too late for them, that they won't get these things back. So it is devastating. I mean, the answers are not easy, though, are they? Because we also can't deny the fact that this is a virus that um, attacks age. We know that... Yeah, but I don't know about that, Ruth, because... Yeah, but I mean, I think the thing is, is that if you say are an elderly, I mean, if I'm my, my mother's 96 years of age, she's meant to be 97. She lives in America. Uh, I was due to go and see her in May. I haven't been able to go and see her because of the quarantine restrictions and the difficulties of traveling. Um, she's OK. Uh, and I'm hoping I can get to see her before she's 97 next March. But I know for a fact from talking to her uh, that if it was a choice between seeing me uh, and or catching coronavirus, she would rather see me because she's 96. You know, and I think a lot of people are taking that view with their elderly relatives that, look, you know, many of them would rather not live alone and completely in isolation without seeing anyone, without being able to touch anyone, because that, after all, is a massively human thing. And it's all very well for us to say, well, we need to protect the elderly. But if the elderly are saying, look, we'd like to be with our families, surely they should be able to do that. Well, I don't think we disagree. I think, you know, as you say, this is incredibly important and lots of people do feel, you know, very proudly as you the older you get, this is not the way in which anybody would choose to spend perhaps what they feel are their last years. So, no, it's incredibly important that we do enable people to spend that time with their family and loved ones and to do the things that they enjoy. I mean, it's important for everybody, but I think particularly for, for part of our population who've been very hard hit. But at the same time, we also know that we also we, we do need to control the virus. So I think that's why, you know, our message from AGK is really that it's incumbent upon all of us to step up and do our part, because the quicker we can get control of the virus, the quicker we can all get back to and our older population can get back to living um, a, 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 the life that they want to live. Yeah, but, but surely but, 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 what, but what you're effectively saying is you're you're taking away choice from people who have lived a very long life. Um, who have now said, and many of them have said it absolutely, you know, with 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 some vigour, that they they don't want to be in isolation. They want to be with their families. Now, surely, if if an individual, I mean, we saw that case the other week of a woman who was arrested for trying to get her mother out of a care home, and she may have done it the wrong way, and she's now pursuing other legal means to get her her mother out of that care home. But surely, it's not for a care home or indeed the government to deny somebody the right to spend their last few days or last few months or last few years with their families. No, and I think we're very clear about this. I think there's a, there's, a, there's a range of issues here. So when I say it's incumbent upon all of us, I think, you know, we are in a period of lockdown at the moment, um, which is something which we all need to take quite seriously so that we can all move back into being able to do the things that we want to yeah, do. Yeah, but we're not really, are we? I mean, I don't know where you are, Ruth, but in London, uh, London is just as busy as it was before the lockdown came in. So, I mean, that's not really true. 
Well, I, I can't comment on that. I am in London. Um, I'm working from home like many other people, so I, I, I haven't been out on the streets. Well, you have, that, you have that luxury. You can work from home, but a lot of people can't work from home. A lot of people no, are... No, they can't. And that's why, you know, I think this is all about balance. And it's all about the things that we can all do and, and what we can all do and can all contribute here. But I take your point about care homes really specifically, because that is a different kettle of fish, I agree. And actually, what we have seen over this period of time with care homes shutting their doors... And meaning that people can't see their friends and relatives really isn't acceptable. We have to absolutely get to a better place. Because yes. In but people, people, you know, for people like ourselves who are living in their own homes, we do have some of that choice. We can make use of the, the opportunities that we do have insofar as the national rules allow at different points in time. But for people in care homes, they really haven't been accorded that choice. And they absolutely have to be. So we, we need to get to a place where we can enable that to happen as safely as possible, as quickly as possible. Yes. And I think it's a failure that we are where we are. Yeah, I think so. Because it seems as though individual care homes are making up their own rules kind of as they go along. And that may not be their fault. That may be because they're worried about lawsuits. It may be because they're worried about, um, you know, breaking um, a, a regulation that they think is in place when it actually isn't. But I mean, I've spoken to people uh, in the government, government ministers, who are, have assured me that they have not told any care homes to stop visiting, visiting uh, rights to, to families to make it make it impossible for people to, to see their own relatives. It's very difficult for a lot of care homes because the rules are, have been very confusing. They, they've changed on a number of occasions. It's not always been, I think, quite clear to care homes what is and isn't allowed. And also as well, don't forget that um, they also have to respond to their local area. So their local director of public health actually makes the final call on whether visiting is should be encouraged or, or not allowed in a particular area. So they really are trying to do their best under difficult circumstances, but they themselves, you know, have got to there's a there's a myriad of rules of how you try and manage them safely not all care homes have the same estate so actually it's not as easy for them to do some of the things that are recommended like window visits than it is for other care homes there's questions about insurance um so what does happen if if the worst case scenario and the virus does come into a home are they insured so it's a really difficult position for care homes and and it's really important that the government gets ahead of this as quickly as it can now because as i said i mean the rules like we have, they have not moved as fast as they needed to right. in order to enable. So, what would you like to see? Effort. What would you like to see the government doing? Particularly around care homes, I think there's a, there's a range of really sensible things we can do. So, the first is how do we extend testing? And there are pilots underway. We need those to move quickly so that we can extend testing to um, individual relatives, so we can make sure that they can come in and visit with their relatives as safely as possible. We need to make sure that those people are provided with um, the, the right kind of personal protective equipment. And that the, 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 the care homes have the right kind of environment. So actually, can they have designated visiting rooms and things like this? So to manage, so because we, we do need to manage infection control, because as we saw earlier in this year, if a virus, if the virus gets into a care home, it can be absolutely devastating. And none of us want to return to those scenes that we saw in March, April and May. No, of course. But there are quite sensible and practical things that we can do, which which allow this to happen and ensure that people can maintain their, that all important contact with relatives um, that everybody wants to see. Yes, I think that's right. Because I think like a lot of people in a lot of situations, and it doesn't just affect the elderly, you know, there is a sense that, uh, yes, there are measures that have to be put into place. But let us not forget that mental health is important. Let us not forget that isolation is a terrible place to be if you're in that situation for a long time. I mean, even some students were getting a lot of sympathy earlier on in the in the year because they were trapped in their little tiny rooms and they weren't allowed to go anywhere. So I think we all have to kind of, while you say, yes, we have to be uh, kind of responsible, I agree with that, but we also have to be compassionate, I think, and we have to think in the round, sort of holistically, if you like, about the effect this is having outside of just the coronavirus. Yeah, 
and it's a balance of risk and we need to make sure we get that balance right um as i said nobody wants to return back to those those dreadful scenes that we had earlier this year but yes it has been the longer that this has gone on uh, of course the harder and harder it has become to people to be to be separated from their family and friends and of course it's not just um people who want to go in and see their relatives people in care homes are desperately worried about what's happening to to their friends and family on the outside as well yes. when, when they do have such restrictive contact so we do need to move much more quickly to solve this but care homes of course we have to tread we we need to recognize as well as that because it is a group setting um we have to balance the risk for all residents so of yes course, but and, I mean, what what would be yes, of course. But what would be the view of Age UK uh, if, for example, um, you were to convince the government that look, if one particular family wanted to remove their relative, elderly relative, from a care home because they wanted to look after them themselves because they clearly were upset about not being able to see them, um, would you would you be supportive of that? Well, actually, that's that's a really interesting question. We had a lot of calls um, over the course of this year from families who wanted to do just that. Mm. And of course, you know, there are, um, you know, there are processes to go through if somebody does lack capacity around uh, making some of those decisions. And of course, it has to be done properly. But absolutely, if families want to care for their loved one at home, and they're, they're able to do that. And of course, they do need to people do need to think carefully, because it is, um, you know, it, it does require um, quite a lot of support in some instances. But that's that should be something that's absolutely available. Yeah, because you'd have to think like very much like yourself. There's a lot more people now who are working from home who would be in a position to do it perhaps better than than they could have done last year because last year they had to go to work every day. So now uh, I think there's a lot of families in that situation. And when you see pictures like the one on the front page of the Daily Mail today, it is heart wrenching, isn't it, to see a woman, um, a dignified woman, um, kneeling on the street, looking through a fence, a metal fence, just to catch a glimpse of her husband. We've heard this from so many people that it, it is devastating. I mean, the, the the chance to go and see your relative, people tell us, is better than nothing. They they just, and in, in a lot of cases, they, you know, they're just desperate to get their eyes on their relatives and to see that they're okay. But no, it's no substitute for being able to go in and sit with somebody, talk to them, hold their hand. I mean, we absolutely that is so incredibly important. Yes. I think we all anybody's had this experience in their own family. Of course knows how incredibly important and finally what would your advice be ruth to anyone who is thinking of trying to um, get their relative back into their own home what should they be doing well the first thing to do is talk to the care home um and to and or if necessary talk to your local social services department as well if they're involved in in the care of your relative because what's important is that people really understand what what's involved and they've got to think about well actually can they adapt their property can they get the right equipment in? Can they manage um, that person's needs? And of course, that's something to think very carefully about because, of course, lots of people often living in a care home are quite profoundly unwell. But then your next step is to then think, if you feel that that's something you can do, then to take it from there, to talk to the care home. Um, if, you, if you do, if your relative does lack capacity, you might need to think about, well, do you have power of attorney in, in that situation? If not, how, how do you make sure that you can go through that decision-making process? So, so there are lots of steps you can take, and, and our advice line, if people would like to call it, can provide further information about it. Okay, why don't you um, tell us what that is, please? Oh, so you can visit our website on www.aguk.org.uk, and um, you can find our telephone number, uh, our actual advice line number. Give me one second. <laughs> I'll, I'll just talk while you're looking for it, because obviously um, there are people who I'm sure will want to call you and will want to get that information from you. So uh, do give it to us. It's 0800 678 1602.
Great so that's stuff. 0800 678 Ruth, thank you very much. And we're much. open every day from 8 to 7pm. Okay, brilliant. Thanks very much indeed. Ruth Isden there from Age UK talking about the numbers of people that contacted Age UK earlier on this year to say that they were not happy with the way that care homes were treating um, their people, their elderly relatives. Not necessarily because the care homes were being callous or, or being in any way cruel. It's just that they're care homes and they are not family. And so if you want to look after your own relative, you ought to have the right, surely, to do it. The last couple of days has taught us that. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. Now, if you've ever, like me, sat in one of those interminable marketing meetings where people are deciding whether something will wash its own face uh, or whether anyone will salute it if it's run up the flagpole, you will know. Uh, that the use of jargon has literally got very, very much out of hand in our modern world. We're going to talk now to Dave Chawner, our favourite left-wing comedian, uh, who occasionally appears on Plank of the Week, but hasn't done it for a while. Dave, a very good uh, morning to you. Welcome. Good morning, mate. Lovely speaking Very to nice you. to have you on the show. Now, knowing you as I do, I imagine you've never actually sat in a marketing meeting, because that would include actually having to have done a proper job at some point or other in your life, which, which clearly you've never done. Yeah, I used to, I actually used to work in an office, believe it or not. Well, really? Well, I've seen you in this office once in a while, but, you know, I haven't seen you for a long time. Well, we used to, I, honestly, when I got one of my first jobs, we used to have a guy that was called the Jargonaut, who <laughs> used to use all of these, and it was, it, he was brilliant. And eventually, uh, his wife uh, circled the swear on him, uh, by which I mean she cheated on him and they broke up. But really? Was, I've never it, heard that one before, circled the square. Have you not? Well, no. I've got loads of them, Danny. You've got uh, Touch Base, right. uh, which sounds a bit me too. Yes. Uh, but that's where you just kind of check in with someone. Spitballing is one that came out. Yeah, that one doesn't conjure up a nice vision, really, does it? Not very COVID friendly, is it, really? No, it doesn't sound like it, no. Infection control. One that I really like is uh, All Hands Meeting. Have you ever heard of that one? No, what's that then? Uh, that's just when you're sitting in a meeting and there's loads of... German people, you got Hans Straber, Hans Ruber, they're all there, they're all of the hands. <laughs> right, well I mean the one that I mentioned just at the start there, wash its own face, I mean that was when I learned when I was working at the Daily Mirror, uh, when we used to have these marketing meetings and they'd try and work out, um, you know, how to sell the paper, what they didn't work out was in fact that nobody's interested in buying the paper because it wasn't very good, um, and in fact uh, they preferred to buy other papers, uh, nevertheless, and, and then also it didn't really represent them anymore. We did, once we did a marketing exercise where they asked people if the Daily Mirror was a car, what sort of car would it be? And all these sort of highly paid executives were sort of hoping they were going to come back with Jaguar and they came back with Ford Fiesta. <laughs> which, actually, which actually, I said, well, I said, that's quite good, isn't it? Because a Ford Fiesta is relatively cheap. It runs for a long time. You know, it's very versatile. Um, and, it's, and it's, you know, it's, it's, it, it, you'll, you'll, you'll be very happy with it. I love these kind of questions, like in an interview, like if you're a Disney princess, what sort of princess yeah. would you be? I'm just applying for a job to sweep the floors. I don't think this is necessary. Right. I think those sort of things are great. And I've actually compiled a quiz for you, Mike. Oh, good. Uh, ones that are like the most used at the moment. First one, uh, checked Eskimo. Have you ever heard that one? Nope, haven't heard that. In fact, I'm not even sure you can say Eskimo, can you? You have to be Inuit, doesn't it? Oh, God, there goes an Ofcom complaint. Yeah, that's another one. This comedian gets chucked off the air. Yeah, thanks but... a lot. <laughs> Cheers, Dave. Right, we'll, we'll move on. Uh, mouse potato. No, I don't know. One. Something to do with a, a computer mouse, I'm assuming. Very good. It's the modern cousin of the couch potato. It's ah. what spends all the time online. Oh, these are all these bozos who work from home, aren't they? 
Yes, like me. Yeah. I'm not wearing any trousers. Well, you don't actually do any work at all, do you, Dave? <laughs> no, absolutely not. That is my that is my raison d'être. Which is I mean, have you not tried doing any of these shows in a car park like some of your fellow comedians? <laughs> oh, mate, I have to tell you, I did one. This is the worst thing in the world. I did one in a bandstand in a park, <laughs> right? And there was a there were five people there, and I thought, oh, right, they're here for the show. That's they correct. were just in a leaving drinks, and the show kind of like. Just, <laughs> Bounced on them. Right. I ran off in the end. Genuinely, it's been horrendous. Some yeah. of the gigs that have been on. Okay, then come on. What else? What else you got for us? Uh, rolling the tortoise. That I don't have a clue. Very slow moving project that you want to accelerate. Well, a bit like Brexit. A bit like <laughs> yeah. Well, moving on to that, my final one is yeah. the yogurt city. Ugh. What's that? I think this one's a very clever one. It's a uh, a place that has an active culture. No, I see what you did there. See what you did there. The one I really hate that I hear all the time is low-hanging fruit. People say that all the time now, and even that sort of maybe it's just my head that's strange, but that conjures up a horrible thought process for me as well. Oh yeah, there's loads of those, like you know, sort of uh, bottom line. And when I was a kid, we just used to call that a builder's bum. Yeah. And I think the thing about these jargon things is like anyone that uses them is the same way that anyone that uses one of those adult scooters you know that they're about 20 iq points lower than everyone else yes exactly right and i mean as you say there's always one person isn't there who sort of comes up with all this stuff when i was at the mirror there was always one guy that did funnily enough i was watching a very old film uh, that was made even before i was born i think called uh, 12 angry men and in that they've got an advertising executive who at one point says um Let's just uh, throw that one out on the doorstep and see if the cat licks it up. <laughs> they, this you know. is what I've noticed. I, they always involve an animal yeah. of some sort. Right. Can I we, know. Absolutely how, absolutely ridiculous. And some of these uh, that are in this study are not particularly new. Like, for example, Out of the Loop is pretty ancient, mm. I would say. And getting your ducks in a row is pretty ancient as well. And probably it goes back to something to do with shooting ducks. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, some of these, like, the, the the origin of these are kind of, like, quite interesting, but then they kind of change over time. Apparently, 2.8 million people in the UK admit that every single day they go along with conversations not knowing what that conversation Yeah, well, do you know, uh, some, I think they've just been attacked by a massive um, a bee or something. But one of the things that I also find is that um, in uh, on social media, there are words which emerge... Uh, when I've upset, say, for example, a new group of people that I wasn't aware of, um, which I did over the course of the beginning of this week because of my uh, tweet about Donald Trump, um, all these people kept writing based, right? And I'm thinking, what is this based? Do they mean biased and they're spelling it wrong? Apparently based. And, it, you know, it's kind of a because there's a younger generational thing going on. And I looked it up in the sort of urban dictionary and based means if you say somebody is based or you just say based, it means that you, you, you sort of it's as if you've been free basing. And you've gone mad and you've said something ridiculous because you're basically on drugs. And that's kind of what it means. And so there's all these new words that come out that I discover about one a month, you know. Well, the thing that I love about this is the whole point of jargon and acronyms are to make things easier. Yeah. Day. To have to go on Urban Dictionary and find out kind of defeats yeah. the point. The fact, yeah, yeah, I have to go somewhere to work out that I've been insulted. It's not much of an insult, to be honest. <laughs> but there I we quite are. Like it. It's 
getting you to do your homework. I think that's a good it's true. thing. Very true. Listen, we'll have to get you in for Plank of the Week soon because, um, Love- you know, we need a bit of left-wing slanted uh, bias occasionally <laughs> just for a bit of balance. But it's nice to see you, Dave. Take care of yourself. Uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Dave Chawler, comedian, uh, with the latest banter uh, from the world of office jargon. Uh, maybe you can tweet me some of the t- terrible things that you've heard. Um, as long as it's clean, we will read them out. You can tweet us, of course, at Talk Radio, at IROMG. Coming up, we will take more of your calls, 0344 499 1000. This is Talk Radio. Across the UK, online, on DAB, and on your smart speaker, Talk Radio. The Julia Hartley Brewer Breakfast Show on Talk Radio with the Sun Digital Edition app. Join the nation's brightest conversation and wake up to straight-talking current affairs debate, analysis and opinion. Plus, get the latest breaking news first and fast on the UK's most entertaining and outspoken radio station. The Julia Hartley Brewer Breakfast Show, Monday morning from 6 on Talk Radio with the Sun Digital Edition app. It's the Sun and then Sun. Visit thesun.co.uk slash app to find out more. It's Black Friday at Talk Talk. Say goodbye to 2020 and hello to a huge deal with the first three months free on our 24-month fibre plans. So say bye to broadband bills until 2021 and hi to average speeds of up to 145 megabits per second. A powerful Wi-Fi hub and no mid-contract price rises. Take a broadband bill break with three months free fibre. Search Talk Talk Black Friday. Talk Talk for everyone. Offer in 2nd of December. T's and C's apply. Subject to local availability. 4 95 post and packing where router is required. I wash my hands to protect my family. I wear a face covering to protect my mates. I make space to protect my colleagues. Hands. Face. Space. I wash my hands to protect strangers. I wear a face covering to protect other passengers. I make space to protect you. Hands. Face. Space. As we spend more time indoors, we need to do whatever we can to help protect each other from coronavirus. So please, wash hands, cover face, make space. Guys, it's time we talked about the one thing an estimated one in four men in the UK will experience. Erectile dysfunction. Yeah, uncomfortable, isn't it? So let's talk treatments like Aronics, exclusive to Lloyd's Pharmacy, available without prescription and now only $9.99 for four tablets. Shop today, in-store and online at LloydsPharmacy.com. Lloyd's Pharmacy, always here for you. Offer ends 17th of November. Contains sildenafil. Always read the label. Subject to suitability. At Morrison's, selected chocolate pouches are now £2.50 each. Choose from Heroes, Celebrations, Cadbury's Dairy Milk and many more. Morrison's, making Christmas special. Majority of stores and online, subject to availability, 350 grams to 450 grams. Offer ends 24th of November 2020. Talk radio, traffic and travel. Good looking slow on the monitors in the West Midlands on the M6 southbound between Junction 5, Castle Bromwich, to the M42 at Junction 4. It is looking heavy. Also slow on the M1 through Northamptonshire. Two lanes closed. There's a six-mile queue. These lanes are closed between Junction 15 at Northampton to Junction 14 at Central Milton Keynes about an hour of delays in the area. Somerset around Western Supermare, southbound at Junction 21 on the M5, hearing of a crash. I'm Gary Scott. Vicks Plastering. Sandra's Baking. Ivan's Electrics. Matt's Florist. Case Construction. Mary's Lawns. Mohammed's IT Solutions. Jim's, Jane's and Jack's of all trades have climbed the ladder. It's time to enjoy the view. The new limited edition Ford Ranger Thunder. Award-winning workhorse capabilities of the Ranger with a styling like no other. Black mesh grille and sidesteps. Unique 18-inch alloy wheels. 
3D Thunder Badging. Looks like business is looking good. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. Now, the last time we spoke to Kate, she was actually here in the studio, but she can't be with us right here today uh, as it is, unfortunately, not least because we're in sort of lockdown two, although it doesn't always seem like that when you walk around London. But let's say a very good afternoon uh, to Baroness Howie. Kate, a very good afternoon to you. Good afternoon, Mike. Thank you very much indeed for joining us. I know you were at the House of Lords a little bit earlier on this week, but you're back in uh, uh, in, in the homestead, I take it, in, in Northern Ireland. How are things over there at the moment? Well, we're in a, a little bit at the moment of uh, everybody waiting because we were told four weeks ago that tonight at midnight, the, um, the extra restrictions that had been brought in for four weeks, which meant no one could visit anyone in their homes, no. the pubs were closed, not quite as strict as in England, uh, would end. And uh, none of the parties, the parties can't agree in uh, Northern Ireland. And uh, at midnight tonight, we will go back to the original sort of restrictions, which were not nearly as as strong, unless there's some kind of compromise comes up today. But even if the compromise comes up today, it takes a couple of days before the legal requirements happen. So we're in this sort of limbo situation. And there's one or two of the pubs have already said in restaurants that they're just going to open because they're fed up not getting you know absolute um that you know their businesses are being destroyed yes. and they have they have done everything they can to keep uh covid safe and yet they're being told that after four weeks they can't maybe they can't open right so technically you're going back to what sounds like a sort of tier three situation then, aren't you? Y- yes I, I i mean i to be honest i think and it's the theme all over i think there's there's an awful lot more people now beginning to realize that they're going to have to start to learn to live with this until there's a vaccine and even then no one's going to know whether that's going to work particularly Uh, and um, that they should be using their common sense and and you know an awful lot of people are using their common sense already which is why there are people who are not absolutely abiding by Mm. the rules and regulations and all your stuff about care homes is you know it really is ridiculous and just this week in the house of lords there was a question because um what the government has done is said that they'll make it quite easy and help 
to allow people who want to go to Switzerland to take their own lives, um, that they'll help them do that. But yet they won't allow people to go in and, 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 and visit their elderly parents who perhaps I haven't got very much longer to live anyway no. and have no, no worry about getting COVID. But this is it. I mean, we had a terrible call a couple yesterday, actually, one from a woman called Janet in Newcastle whose, whose father mm. was in a care home. And she said, you know, back in March, he was healthy, he was happy. You know, he played the saxophone, he played the piano, he was in a choir, he used to go out and about and do stuff. And they, she had no complaints yeah. about the actual care home itself or the people in the care home. But she said that uh, on March uh, sort of 26th or 27th, it was declared that he couldn't see anybody. Um, and he just deteriorated to such an extent yeah, and became so miserable and depressed that he took his own life. And it's just absolutely. awful. And it must be happening well, you know, up even, and down the country. Even someone like myself, you know, and I, I, I'm lucky that I can, can go to work in, in, in London if I, if, I, if I needed to. Mm. But even I'm, you know, so frustrated that I can't go and visit. I had a cousin um, sadly pass away this week and I wasn't able to go and visit the home of of the um, uh, the wife of, right. of, of my cousin. And, and, you know, these are the sorts of things that begin to just grind yeah. people down and mm. if you're on your own completely it's bound to be bad for mental health and for just general depression which yes. i think we're all suffering from particularly when it's bad weather well i think especially now because it's darker in the afternoon now you're sort of you know, dealing with you know suddenly it's dark at five o'clock and you don't see any light of any, of any kind really until about seven in the morning and i think an awful lot of people because it's been going on for so long have forgotten almost what ordinary life used to be like because you do. Yeah. I mean, I see pictures from, say, this time last year. I've got this thing that pops up now on my iPad, you know, sort of random picture selection. And you just go, yeah. blimey, look at all those people. And it just yeah. looks weird, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Although I was surprised, I have to say, London this week when I was over was much more movement and oh, yes. than there was in the last lockdown. Yeah. So clearly people are doing, as we said, they're actually using their common sense and mm. they're going out if they feel sensible about, enough about doing that yeah which kind of i mean and I'm, I'm not going to complain about that because i think that's good but mm, in, I, but it sort of gives the lie to what we're actually doing for four weeks because as far as i'm concerned when the lockdown came in last thursday uh, a week ago the roads were just as busy as they had been before that um the shops uh, around here which were open have remained open borough market yesterday i went over there and there's people standing around drinking there's people eating there's people shopping you know mm. there's an awful lot of activity which is which is good obviously but i mean i don't understand why london which apparently has a very low infection rate right now uh, is even doing it yeah well i i i think that the whole to treat the whole country is the same when you're looking at different areas with different uh, levels is, is is just silly and also this word essential you know mm. what is essential to you right. uh, might not be essential to me i was i was actually looking for a pair of tights this week yes. and I, I genuinely find it <laughs> Im- almost impossible in the end to to find a pair of tights right. anywhere because there's nothing open yeah, well, I mean, I wanted to buy a That's jacket. That's quite essential to me. Well, I'm sure it is. I mean, not so much for me. I mean, I've got loads of pairs at home, so it's not a problem. But no, I mean... Uh... I should have borrowed a pair. <laughs> no, I mean, the thing is, yeah, if I, wanted, I wanted to go and buy a couple of jackets the other day, and I thought, I don't even know where I can go, because I don't no. actually know anymore what's open and what isn't open. I was told no. the other day that Blue Water uh, over in Essex, the big shop- shopping centre there, is largely open. And most of the shops are open, even if it's only for cl- click and collect. But you can physically go there and, and get something. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think we're we're in a we're in a, a bit of a shambles, to mm. be honest. And I think the sooner Oh, I don't know. I, I, I don't have the answer because of course I I don't want you, no one wants to be accused of being um you know, complicit in, in, in the deaths of people. But I think more and more 
um, government has to accept that they are not, they have not actually um, managed to take people with them. Mm. Uh, I think that's the big problem at the moment. I mean, I had a call just before uh, the uh, top of the hour there from a, a businessman in Scotland. I think he was probably running a cab company or something. He said, look, we just need some certainty. We just need some yeah, kind of idea exactly. of when this is all kind of come to an end so that we can make plans. Because without knowing anything, really, we don't know if Christmas is going to be uh, fine or not fine. My, I'd like to, to be able to say to my daughter, she can fly in from Dubai. Um, and whether she has to quarantine or not, she can come and spend Christmas with us. You know, nobody knows what's going on. And what's the criteria? Because in Northern Ireland, it's now gone down the R rate, this this amazing R rate that everyone talks about yeah. without probably understanding. I'm not saying I do either, but it points seven, you know, mm. and we, we were told that if it was under one, things could be... Yeah, that means, that means you're infecting less than one exactly. person, exactly. so that should be fine. But that's not, that's not made any difference. But mm. there we are. Okay, how did you find the House of Lords? Because obviously this you're <laughs> what could be called as a, you could be described as a newbie, I think, without fear or favour. Well, that's absolutely right. And, and this was, I, I had my first question this week, which was actually on the American election, because I, I wanted to, I, I made it very specific uh, that I said, if um, Biden, Joe Biden, is is, ele- is formally declared yes. president. But of course, the uh, minister responding didn't uh, in any way take that up. But I was basically pointing out that, you know, it, it if if, if uh, Joe Biden was elected, he would be the most Irish nationalist president that there'd ever been mm. uh, for many many years, and that uh, might be would it be sensible for our ambassador in Washington to actually give him a copy of the Belfast Agreement? Yes, uh, and the minister, of course, didn't answer that. Well, then we had the debate on the um, Internal Market Bill, right. and I'm afraid one of the things about the House of Lords, of course, it has got huge expertise in inverted commas because you have people there who've been top of business top of legal sections top of everything practically in the country but there's an awful lot of lawyers and the lawyers really took over the debate Mm. on the internal market and so then you get stuck into the sort of minutiae presumably of little clauses here there and everywhere and and which you know lawyers who all do seem to feel that they they know more than you know, people, rank and file people. So there were a few of us, Claire Fox, myself, uh, Peter Lilly. I think we had about seven or eight speakers mm. who were in favour of the Internal Market Bill in the sections on um, the, the protocol on Northern Ireland, yes. which all does sound a bit confusing to people, but actually it's very simple. The, the government went into the election with a manifesto commitment that there would be unfettered access of goods between Northern Ireland and the European Union. The European Union has not been being very um, sensible or flexible about the relationship after the transition period ends. And so the internal market bill is being brought in as a safeguard. And it's not actually implemented just by passing it. But the law, the legal sections of the House of Lords were absolutely, this was tr- absolutely dreadful. We were mm. breaking international law. We were pariahs of oh, the yes. world. You know, I would say that most people in this country, never name the rest of the world, um, really do feel that if we want to stand up for our country, that should go ahead of anything else, um, and that if you're if you're actually breaking, uh, you, I mean, breaking international law is a very wide term. Yes, and and uh, I think the, the mistake was that um, the minister in the House of Commons, when it was first announced, actually used the word breaking international law, whereas actually you could argue that it's just simply. Right. Um, you know, making making sure that we have a mechanism that if the European Union doesn't show good faith, which I don't have much faith in them showing good mm. faith, 
then we can do something about it. Well, my understanding is that uh, we would only be breaking international law if the EU broke it first. And that would be when our move afterwards would create us uh, in being in breach of something. But I've also seen uh, pieces written about how often uh, international law is in uh, fact broken, particularly by countries in the European Union. Absolutely. And it's dozens and dozens of times a year. Absolutely. And Germany is a, a classic example yeah. of that over uh, some of the recent um, issues to do with debt and so on. And Germany seems to be able to do it. And nobody says a word because the European Union kind of acts as a... It, I, I, I'm, I'm so surprised almost well, and, and disappointed how many you know, educated people in politics actually still see the European Union as somehow anything they say mm. has to be listened to and agreed with. Whereas if our government, whatever the politics of the party and government says, somehow that isn't, you know, there just is no feeling that our country uh, could be doing the right thing and the European Union yeah. could be wrong. No, so, indeed. Uh, it's incredible, isn't it? And that's, I watched in, with some incred- incredulity at the weekend as sort of the media got involved in this love-in with Joe Biden, who you and I oh. both agree has not yet been declared the President of the United States. Absolutely. Uh, elect or otherwise, um, because they thought actually that he would somehow stop Brexit. I mean, it's such a deluded um, state of mind that some of these people seem to be in. Guys like Adam Bolton uh, raving on about how great this is going to be uh, for Ireland and how great it's going to be. He's going to be more friendly yeah. to Ireland. And then, of course, it was all about how he's not going to be interested in Boris Johnson because he thinks he's just like Trump. And then he rings Boris as the first guy <laughs> in Europe that he talks yeah, to. I thought, I thought that was lovely. And of course, I mean, you know, it's, of course, Mike, you're part of the media, but I mean, talk radio is slightly different from mm. most of the media. But, you know, it is it is ridiculous the way so much of our news is now made almost by journalists with their own views yeah. uh, in terms of, of, of setting the agenda. And, and that, that, you know, it was it was quite... It was quite ridiculous, really, how the, the, particularly the BBC on mm. the whole American election, um, you know, were just could not actually hide the fact that they were just so thrilled that it looked like maybe Trump had 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 lost, and then were determined to tell us that he'd lost mm. even before legally and officially he's been told. Exactly. And if it does turn out that Biden wins in the end, I mean, I don't I don't buy this narrative that he's going to be difficult with Britain no. at all. I really no. think he needs Britain as much as Britain needs America. Um, you and know, and there, there are so many people in America who, who you know, are, who understand or like the United Kingdom. I just can't see uh, it. The special relationship is a special relationship because we've got that hugely important thing about language, haven't we? Yes. You know, if you speak the same language, even with an American accent, it's it's much, much easier to uh, to sort of work together. And, and we're I, much I, more I, culturally I together as well, aren't we? I mean, mm. America has very little in common with France or Germany uh, or Portugal or Spain or Italy. Um, and maybe Italy actually more so because they've got a lot of Italian-Americans. But, you know, very small, you know, the big countries of Europe, not very much uh, in common at all with America. No, we've, we're definitely in, and, and, and I thought that was just great that, um, you know, um, Boris Johnson did get, I think, the second call after Canada, yeah. which, which is pretty natural uh, and, and was a bit of a... Um, but, of course, you didn't see many of the media coming out and admitting then. Oh, no. Well, in fact, it was quite the reverse, because the day before the call was made, um, they were saying how ridiculous it was that Boris probably wouldn't even be one of the first 10 calls and how terrible yeah. that was going to be. And when he was the first one in Europe, then it turned out that actually the, the pecking order didn't matter. You know, they no. said, oh, well, that's not important. You know, it doesn't mean anything. So no. just bizarre. So um, all I can say, um, Kate, is hopefully we'll see you back here soon. Um, yes. And uh, Mike, can I say something? Can we all be watching Northern Ireland tonight? 
tonight. Yes. If we, beat, if we beat Slovakia and Scotland, of course, have an important match too. But, you know, it, sometimes people, I think, forget that there are four teams in the home nations. Absolutely. And Northern Ireland matters as well. And if well, we Northern beat Slovakia... Ireland, Northern Ireland qualified... also been, has given people a lot of pleasure over the years recently. Yes, because we've got fantastic supporters. Unfortunately, there's only a thousand allowed in tonight, which, again, I think is just ridiculous. Yes. But well, listen, we will keep an eye out for them. Wish them all luck. And, Kate, great to talk to you. Great to see you. Thank you very much indeed. Baroness Kate Hurry of Lyle and Rathlin, of course, over in uh, Northern Ireland, non-affiliated peer. Uh, a great addition to the House of Lords, I have to tell you. One of the few sensible people in there uh, we will be talking to on a regular basis. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. Let's go straight away to San Diego, to LaDonna Harvey, who haven't spoken to since election night. Uh, she's at KOGO, of course, over there uh, in Southern California. LaDonna, very good morning to you. Good morning. Feels like it's been simultaneously a minute and a year. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? I mean, goodness gracious me. I mean, I knew it was going to drag on a bit, but I didn't expect it to be this bad. You know, we're not going to probably know anything properly, and nothing's going to be properly declared until January, by the looks of it. Uh, well, yeah, at, at least at least the recounts as we as we see them right now, at least Georgia is going to do a, a hand recount. Those should be over by the end of this month. But, uh, yeah, it, we're not going to know enough, unfortunately, and it's going to continue to be chaos and sniping back and forth one side to the other, which is always fun. Yeah, it's, absolutely it's right. Parading. I mean, you must be great sick. For me. you, you must be sick to death of it, though. Must you? Has it become your sort of Brexit? Because I mean, we've we've had to do COVID every single day now, pretty much since March, um, and somehow we've managed to do it without feeling as if we're repeating ourselves. You know, the listeners might not agree, but I mean, uh, presumably you have to come up, um, come up every day with a new way of covering this particular scenario. Well, yeah, because, you know, every day you kind of learn something new. Mm. Um, you know, generally, if you have an outgoing administration and an incoming administration, uh, you know, assuming that that's what we have here, and, and it's a pretty easy assumption to make, um, you know, you, the incoming administration gets daily briefings from the outgoing administration so that, you know, everybody's kind of up to speed when it comes to foreign policy, you know, what's going on in the world. Here's what I here's, you know, here's what happened when I talked to the sheikh. Uh, and we don't have any of that going on. Um, and even some GOP, you know, some Republican senators are a little bit upset about it going, hey, you know, you, you really should be briefing him on, on things, right. no matter how you think it's going to go. Yeah. I mean, I, I talked to what I would regard as relatively sensible people in America, some of whom voted for Trump, some of whom voted for Biden, and they all say that it's all very unpresidential. But in the same way, um, Biden is kind of doing what Trump would have done um, by declaring himself to be president-elect when technically he's not actually president-elect. I mean, it's very Trumpian behaviour, isn't it? Uh, you know, it is and it isn't. Um, it, the media generally calls it whenever the numbers just show that that there's no way. Oh, for sure, yeah. But if but if the other guy won. doesn't, but if the other guy doesn't concede, then you know they almost right. have to kind of uncall it, don't they? Uh, they don't have to really uncall it because he doesn't. And President Trump doesn't have to concede anything. He doesn't have to concede after he leaves office if that's what happens. Right. Um, he, he he doesn't have to. He doesn't have to do anything he doesn't want to do, and he doesn't want to do it. Right. So you know, fine, let him. Yeah. I, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's just the soap opera goes on because I'm told I think it's December, the first week of December, that the Electoral College uh, will appoint a bunch of electors who will then decide who's won, and then they'll have to pass that all on to the Senate and the House. And then they'll make some announcement in January. I mean, it was, it's going to be an interesting few weeks, isn't it? It is. You know, between between that and the and the stark rise in the number of COVID cases we've got here, 
um, you know, it's we're we're not we're not bored. Mm. Uh, we're not happy, but we're not bored. Right. And there's a couple of rerun elections effectively happening for uh, the Senate, I think, in January as well. Right. Yeah, uh, Georgia is one of them, which is one of the ones, uh, one of the states that is going to go into a recount mm. uh, or perhaps already has. Um, yeah, it's that one's going to be a runoff election, and that could that could put the Senate in the ballot. Um, if if you get uh, if you get enough Democrats in there, then the Senate suddenly is no longer in Republican control. Yes, but that I suppose is still one for the uh, uh, for the far reaches of, of 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 the future. We can't really predict. I guess you've given up predicting things at this point, haven't you? Um, you know, once I predicted that President Trump, uh, now President Trump, was not going to win the last election right. and failed miserably, yeah, my predict, I'm, my prediction machine has been turned off. Yeah, well, everybody <laughs> seems to think I predicted that he would win when, in fact, all I did when we were on the election night special uh, was I said that well, he is now the favourite to win. Uh, which made it look like he he was pretty much going to win because he was. And then when I woke right. up after two and a half hours sleep to do another show, uh, he wasn't anymore. Yeah. And, you know, that's the thing. It's like, you know, as they count ballots, it, you know, they get, you know, uh, for instance, in Iowa, like, you know, if you're in Des Moines, uh, Biden would probably win Des Moines. But yeah. in the outlying areas, that's where, you know, President Trump is going to be the strongest. So you start to get those numbers in. Um, and you and that's when things start going back and forth. It's just mm. it just depends on where the ballots are coming in from. Yeah. Well, I mean, there have been those in this country who've said maybe we should just do a big collection for uh, United States of America and send them a load of abacuses so they can count a bit quicker. <laughs> <laughs> well, we were, I was thinking about calling the Queen and going, hey, do you mind just, you know, if you could just, just come, come back. over. Just come back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> make it a lot simpler, I promise you. Listen, LaDonna, great to speak to you. Thank you very much indeed. LaDonna Harvey uh, checking in with us from KOGO Radio in San Diego, California. It is, as I said it was, not decided yet. That's the point. All of you numpties out there who think Biden's the next president... It hasn't been declared. It has not been made official. Anything can happen. Talk radio across the UK, online, on DAB, and on your smart speaker. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday, on Talk Radio via DAB, online, or via the Talk Radio app. And if you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us on 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio.